Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Contrary to what a lot of Christians think, the primary battlefield for Satan's war against you is not in the home, it's not in the church, it's really not even in this world. The primary battlefield for spiritual warfare is our mind. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Imagine, life is finally starting to get back on track. It seems as if God is really pouring out His blessings on you. And then, without warning, hardship comes along and you begin to question God's goodness and sovereignty. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains how Satan uses our own minds to wage war against our souls. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. As you mentioned, today's broadcast marks the midpoint in our series called The Divine Defense. And already, we're learning some valuable lessons about putting on the armor of God so that we can win the spiritual battles that confront us every day. As Christians, we can be so naive. In fact, we can go through an entire day without giving much thought to our enemy. Satan has his weapons aimed, and he's got you in his crosshairs. In this series, The Divine Defense, and in my book by the same title, my goal is to wake you up to the dangers at hand, while at the same time reminding you that God has equipped us for victory. My book, The Divine Defense, provides a clear and convincing argument for putting on the armor of God. It's a deep dive into the counsel Paul gave us in Ephesians chapter 6. From this passage, I've drawn six important strategies for winning whatever spiritual battle you're facing right now. Whether you're dealing with doubt, depression, or temptation, there's something helpful for you in this book. So please, gear up for battle. Get in touch and request your copy of my book. Again, it's called The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. And I'd be pleased to send you a copy when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'll say more about my book and other resources later. But right now, let's dig deep into another aspect of spiritual warfare. I've titled today's study, Winning the Mind Games. In his book, Among the Heroes, Jerry Longman describes in terrifying details the extensive preparation that the terrorists made who hijacked United Flight 93 on September 11, 2001, before they crashed that plane into the field outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. These terrorists believed that they were in a holy war. They were in a war against evil itself, and they prepared accordingly. Listen to Longman's account of what happened. By now, the morning of September 11th, the four Islamic men in the first-class section were to have made an oath to die, showered, shaved the excess hair on their bodies, and splashed themselves with cologne. They had been given detailed, handwritten instructions on how to prepare for their final hours on earth. The letter was to have been read the previous night. It was a spiritual and practical guide on how the terrorist should fortify against self-doubt and infighting. 
How they should prepare to enter paradise by killing their victims and then themselves. They bless their bodies by reading the Quran. By a rubbing of the hands, they also bless their luggage, clothes, knives, IDs, passports, and papers. They were to shout, Allah Akbar, God is great, because, quote, this strikes fear in the hearts of the infidels. Prayer, mental focus. These terrorists knew those kind of preparations were absolutely essential if they were going to win in their battle against evil. Now, I want you to contrast their preparation for warfare with the preparation of the average Christian for our warfare. Oh, oh, sure, we say we believe there's a Satan out there and demons. We give intellectual assent to the idea of spiritual warfare, but we really don't believe it. Look at our hit and miss, lackadaisical approach to the Christian life. We pray if we feel like it or our backs are up against the wall. We only read our Bibles if there's nothing better to watch on television. We possess very limited knowledge of our real enemy or his methods against us. We allow ourselves to become so distracted by the enemy that we fail to see that fatal blow that is being waged against us. We fail to utilize the spiritual resources that God has given to us. No wonder so many Christians fall so easily into the trap of immorality, experience the dissolution of their marriages, lose the battle against depression, or find themselves compromising their integrity. The fact is we're not prepared for the battle. Contrast the passivity of most Christians with how Paul says we ought to prepare for battle. Remember his words in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 13, he said, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Do you hear those commands? Be strong, put on, take up, stand firm. Paul is talking about a soldier who is alert and armed for the battle in which he is fighting. Instead of snoozing as the bullets buzz and the bombs burst overhead. Why is it we have to be alert Why do we need to be armed? Because Paul says we are in a struggle. A struggle. That word struggle, pale in Greek, is a term that is used to refer to a Greek wrestling match. But unlike those silly things you see on television today that are passed off as wrestling, this was nothing pretend in Paul's day. In Paul's day, a wrestling match was a life and death matter in which the loser of the wrestling match would have his eyes gouged out and then he would be executed. Now, Paul says you're in that kind of life and death struggle. It's not with your employer. It's not with your mate. It's not against bad circumstances. It is against the unseen but very real forces of Satan himself. 
And that's why we must be prepared. But you know, if we're going to be aware and alert for this battle, it seems that a good question to ask would be, well, where is this battle actually being waged? What what is the primary battlefield for the struggle that's taking place, this life and death struggle? Contrary to what a lot of Christians think, the primary battlefield for Satan's war against you is not in the home, it's not in the church, it's really not even in this world. The primary battlefield for spiritual warfare is our mind. Our mind is the battlefield in which the forces of good and evil are waging for control of your soul. And that's why we're going to talk about how to win the mind games that Satan wages against you. The fact is there is a spiritual component to our minds as well as a physiological component. In fact, when God created you, he created you body, soul, that's your mind, your will, and emotion, and your spirit, that is your God consciousness. We are body, soul, and spirit. You know, the writers of Scripture understood that even better than we do. Now, remember Proverbs 23, verse 7? It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are what you think. Your thoughts shape your life and your destiny. The thoughts, the decisions we make that shape our destiny all begin in the mind. As a person thinks in his heart, so is he. No wonder then if Satan wants to gain influence over your life. The primary way he does it is through your mind. No wonder our mind is just like a battlefield of opposing thoughts and desires. Henry Newman says that our minds are like a banana tree in which monkeys, countless monkeys, are jumping up and down, making noise and clamoring for our attention. Have you ever felt that way about your thoughts? All of these thoughts invade your mind just like monkeys invading a banana tree, and they're all wanting your attention. I want you to stop for just a moment here and listen to the monkeys in your mind right now, okay? Listen to all the thoughts swirling around right now in your mind. I need to stop at the grocery store on the way home and pick up a gallon of milk. I wonder if my boss is really going to give me that raise next month. I really hate him or her. I can't stand being with that person. I wonder how long the pastor is going to keep on talking this morning. I mean, all of those thoughts clamoring around up there. Now, I'm not saying all of those thoughts are either good or evil, godly or satanic, but what I am suggesting to you is that when either God or Satan wants to influence us for good or evil, the primary conduit of their influence is through our minds. As a person thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me show you from Philippians where that is true. The Bible says when God wants us to give us his supernatural peace, you know, that's one of the promises Jesus said, gave us. He said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world do I leave with you. Let not your heart be troubled. God wants you to experience peace. How does he channel his peace into your life? He does it through your mind. Look at Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell, that's another word for 
think on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It is by what you think about that you receive the supernatural peace of God. Our thoughts are the conduit through which God pours his thoughts into our life. Now, it only makes sense that if God influences you and me through our thoughts, that Satan also is going to influence us through our thoughts. And in the final few moments we have this morning, I'd like to suggest to you four channels through which Satan tries to influence our thoughts. Four channels of Satan's communication in our life through which he tries to seize our thoughts and ultimately control our destiny. First of all, sometimes Satan influences our thoughts through our desires. Now, every morning of my life, I turn on my Apple Macintosh computer. Uh, When I took that computer out of the box for the first time, it already had an operating system that was installed in that computer. Now, folks, when you and I came out of the box, so to speak, at the time of our birth, you and I were also hardwired with an operating system. Here's the problem. Our operating system is defective. That is, a virus has invaded it called the sin virus. We all have this defective operating system. Do you know, do you realize that if Satan were destroyed tomorrow, there would still be murder, immorality, theft, every kind of sin still in the world today? Because all of us have been wired in such a way to rebel against God. Uh, Satan doesn't have to directly communicate to us in order to influence us. We all have that sin nature within us. Now, Satan understands that truth as well. He understands that we're wired that way, but here's his problem. When we become a Christian, when we trust in Christ as our Savior, God puts in you a brand new operating system. An operating system called the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God gives you a whole new set of desires. When God says yes, you want to say yes. When God says no, you want to say no. And so those two operating systems are constantly battling one another for control of your life, according to Galatians chapter 5. Now, Satan understands that truth, and that's why he knows he can't rely on a Christian sin nature alone to influence his life. And so sometimes Satan has to resort to other means through which to try to influence our life. And that leads us to a second way that Satan influences us, and that is through other mediums. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Sometimes Satan can take a neutral medium and use it to communicate to us. Genesis 3, 1 is a great illustration of that. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, remember, this happened before Adam and Eve fell into sin. So Eve didn't have that defective operating system. She was innocent. But Satan wanted to influence her for evil. So if he couldn't rely on her corrupt desires, how was he going to influence her life? He used this neutral creation, the serpent. He indwelt the serpent and voiced his appeal to Eve through him. Now, remember, before the fall, the serpent wasn't that slimy, scary, scaly creature that we think of today. 
Uh, Before the fall, the serpent was an upright walking creature. In fact, the Bible says he was the most beautiful creature in the entire garden. So Satan chooses the most beautiful, appealing medium through which he can appeal to Eve. And the result is she falls into sin. Now, what could be a more effective medium than the most beautiful creature in all of the garden for Satan to utilize? How about this one? Let's say there was this box that was able to talk to us. In fact, not only could this box talk to us, but it could also show sparkling, colorful, alluring images. And let's say this talking box that showed these beautiful pictures was in the center of every family's home in America today and in the world. And let's say out of this talking box was an invitation accompanied by beautiful illustrations, an invitation to experience sex without commitment, wealth without work, disobedience without consequences. Robert, are you saying television is evil? No, not at all. I hope not, because some of you are watching it right now. (laughs) Television is not good or evil. It is a neutral medium, but it's a medium that Satan can use to voice his enticements to us. Just like internet sites, books, other media are neutral in and of themselves, but Satan can utilize them to speak his messages to us. The Bible says sometimes Satan will use other mediums through which to communicate his message to us. Thirdly, sometimes Satan speaks to us through other people. Through other people. Now, we saw about the man who was controlled by the many demons. Remember, uh, the demon legion seized control of the man's vocal cords and spoke directly to Jesus through this, uh, through this man's uh, body. And that's why you need to carefully evaluate every message that comes to you through other people. How can I know for sure uh, whether God is speaking to me through this person or Satan is speaking to me through this person? Let me give you three filters to use when you're evaluating the words of other people. First of all, are these words true? You know, in John eight forty four, Jesus said, Satan is a liar and he is the father of all lies. Secondly, do these words motivate me to faith or to fear? Sometimes Satan wants to place paralyzing thoughts into our life that keep us from uh, moving toward God, words that just seize our minds and paralyze us with fear. Uh, Where does that come from? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. No, when somebody speaks words to you, listen to this, words that cause you to question the goodness of God, the love of God, the power of God over your circumstances, that's Satan communicating his thoughts to you. Do these words motivate me to faith or to fear? A third filter to use is this. Do these words contradict the teaching of Scripture? When somebody speaks to you, ask yourself, do these words affirm or do they contradict the teaching of Scripture? Fourthly, sometimes Satan speaks to us through direct means. Sometimes he'll actually communicate to us or one of his demons will without any intermediary. Now, let me ask you if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever been somewhere, maybe even sitting in church, 
When out of nowhere, this random thought comes into your mind, a random thought that is so sinful, so overtly evil, you go, wow, where did that come from? Robert, are you saying a Christian can be talked to by Satan and his demons? Absolutely. Let me give you a great illustration of that in Scripture. 1 Chronicles 21, verses 1 to 3. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart. And yet, he experienced uh, Satan talking to him directly. Look at 1 Chronicles 21, verses 1 to 3. Then Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and to the princes of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring me word that I may know their number. Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are, but my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why does my Lord seek this thing? Why should he be cause of guilt to Israel? Let me explain what was going on here. David got this idea one day. He said, you know what, Joab, we need to count and see how many troops we have. We need to know how many troops we have before we go into battle. You say, well, that's a wise decision. What's wrong with that? What's wrong is that God said, don't do it. God said, if you start counting your troops, it means you're depending upon your troops rather than my power to protect you. So I don't want you to number your troops. David says to Joab, I want you to number the troops. Joab says, David, why would we do this? They're all under your control. Why would we disobey God and incur his wrath? What would cause David to do such a foolish thing? Verse 1 tells us, it is Satan who moved in David's heart to commit that sin. It was Satan who whispered into David's ears, you know what? You better count the cost before you go into battle. My point is simply this, sometimes Satan himself can be the one who is speaking to us. How do I know if the thoughts I'm having are coming from Satan? Again, go back to those three filters I gave you. Ask yourself the question, first of all, are these thoughts true? Secondly, do these thoughts motivate me to faith or to fear? And thirdly, do these thoughts violate the clear teaching of Scripture? Well, what kind of thoughts does Satan try to plant in our minds? Really, the list is endless. But he has some favorites because there are some of his lies that work particularly effectively. And next time, we're going to look at Satan's four favorite lies and what you can do to combat them. I hope this series has begun to awaken you to the realities of spiritual warfare and your God-given armor to win those battles. And let me urge you to take this study a step further. I've written a book for you that offers far more material than we've had time to explore on this program. It's a natural choice for your small group Bible study as well. My book is called The Divine Defense, Six Simple Strategies for Winning Your Biggest Battles. And a copy is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, in addition, we'll also include a convenient brochure called Equipped for Battle. This is a quick reference tool to keep at your desk or on your nightstand, reminding you of the power God has given you to win any battle you face. The brochure folds out into six colorful panels that clearly describe each item in the armor of God. 
Let me commend you for taking your next steps down the pathway to victory as you secure these important resources on defeating the enemy. And thank you for your generous investment in the ministry of Pathway to Victory. While this program comes freely to you by radio or online or through our mobile app, it's certainly not free to us. Your generosity makes this program available not only on your radio station, but on hundreds of stations around the nation and around the world. And your gift today will help ensure that Pathway to Victory continues to grow in reaching the world with the truth of God's Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You're invited to request a copy of Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book, The Divine Defense, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. As an added bonus, we'll also send you the highly requested Equipped for Battle brochure. To make your request, call 866-999-2965 or online go to ptv.org. And when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you, in addition to the book, this month's new teaching series on CD and DVD. It's also called The Divine Defense. And by the way, these messages come in their original, unedited form, just as Dr. Jeffress had originally delivered them to his congregation in Dallas. To request the CD and DVD set, call 866-999-2965 or online go to ptv.org. You could also write to us, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Jesus once said that Satan is the father of lies. And next time, we'll expose four common falsehoods that Satan's planting in the minds of Christians. Hear a message called, Satan's Four Favorite Lies. That's Friday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.